promised, I'm continuing my 2021 Awakened Parenting podcast by answering a question submitted to me by a parent. I've had several questions from parents with younger children, so I was delighted when I received this question from a parent with teenagers. Even though this challenge takes place in the context of a teenager's present situation, I invite all parents, no matter what age your children are, to listen to my suggestions and see if you can apply it to any challenge you might be having. When you listen to my podcast or take one of my parenting workshops or join the Peaceful Parenting Program, you will begin to realize that the skills and strategies I offer are all around building a positive relationship with yourself and your child. Therefore, Ultimately, what I share is ageless. My tips can be used no matter if you have a preschooler, teen, or adult child. Now, here's Tara's question. How do I help guide my teen to figure out what they want to do after high school? At 16, they have to pick courses relative to their post-secondary goals and objectives, but my daughter doesn't know what she wants to do. She doesn't know what is a good fit for her and wants to make sure she picks something that will provide a lucrative career with good job prospects. How do I help my teen navigate through a two-tier education system that separates rural kids with unreliable internet from city kids with consistent internet? Rural kids do not have all the tools available to them to be successful. It's causing frustration and anxiety especially in key years like grade 11. There's a lot going on in this question. In fact, as you can hear, there are multiple concerns and questions. What is my answer to Tara's concerns? Stay tuned as I share my response in this episode of Awaken Parenting. is very timely for me personally, as I too have a 16-year-old daughter who will soon need to pick courses for her grade 12 year, and she is also not sure what she wants to do career-wise. So, what is a parent to do? First of all, if you haven't already listened to my previous podcast entitled A Core Belief That Results in Peaceful Parenting, I would highly recommend that you do. Listeners can find that on my website at jillmcpherson.com under podcasts, or you can also find the Awakened Parenting Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. One of the most important jobs we can do as parent of teens is to work at letting go. Many parents find themselves in a painful trap of believing that it is their job to come up with answers or at least have some idea of what is best for their child. Many believe they have to guide their teens to take the right courses, pick the right post-secondary program and institution, and pursue the right career when the truth is that is not our job. As parents, our number one job is not to have the answers for them, but to help them find their own answers. How do we do that? The first thing we need to do is listen. I have said this before and I will say it again. The older our children become, we need to talk less and listen more. Our job is to assist them in ways to discover who they are 
and what speaks to them, what makes them passionate, and what excites them. They will not find that answer listening to us tell them what we think or what they need to do. Now, I'm not suggesting I know what Tara is or isn't doing. The most important thing I want this mom to know is that it is okay that she does not know the answers for her 16-year-old daughter. This is good news. Tara and other moms of teens can now let out a sigh of relief as you feel the heavy burden lift off your chest with this realization. This is a huge pivotal moment in our lives as parents when we discover our job is, over time, to let go and trust. How can listening offer our children guidance and answers? Because by listening more, it does two things. First, it allows us to notice more things about our children that may be clues to what career path might best suit them. It allows us to be more in the present moment with them and truly see and hear the things that make their hearts sing. Those are the things you may want to point out when your child does invite you to share your opinion about his or her career path. Something like, well, you know, I've noticed that you seem to light up when you talk about X or when you do Y. I've noticed you seem to be really good at A and B. And so I'm wondering if there's a career where you could use those skills or you'd be able to do those sorts of tasks or be in that kind of environment. I would encourage parents to share their observations without knowing or even offering what that career might be. Allow them to do some thinking and research on what you share. It is also a great way to avoid the blame game 20 years down the road if they are unhappy in their career and turn to you and say, I'm only doing this job because this is what you said I should do or because you told me I should be this. Well, perhaps at least avoid the blame game in their career choice. I am not sure parents can get through this job without being blamed for at least something. The other great thing about listening is that when we sit quietly and just hold space for another, that is when the person being listened to will have the deepest, most profound realizations. As a parent, can you just listen? Listen without thinking about what the answer to this problem will be. Or can you listen without your head going back into memory lane when you had this struggle? Can you listen without your head going into the future, visualizing some awful outcome of your child's life all because you didn't know how to direct them in their high school course selection? I know I've fallen into this trap. When my child is struggling with making a decision, my mind can easily race into the future, imagining each of the options, and then imagining them deeply regretting the one they picked, and then blaming me for not guiding them better. Who here knows what I'm talking about? I have to take a lot of deep breaths to bring myself back to the present moment and just listen. When our children come to us with a problem, the best thing we can do is listen and then witness in the quiet stillness how they come up with some amazing ideas, next steps, or solutions to their own problems. Often, they come up with ideas we never would have thought of ourselves. My children have amazed me time and time again when I just listen to them without saying anything. 
Sometimes the answers they come up with just amaze me. This is certainly not easy for parents to do if they are living in the belief that it is their job to have the right answers for their children's problems. A word of caution here, it could also be challenging at first for parents to try this if their children are used to having a parent telling them what to do or deciding the answers to their own problems for them. What is the second tip I would offer Tara? I would suggest that the more she can put her mind at ease by surrendering and trusting, the happier both she and her daughter will be. This does not mean don't do anything. It doesn't mean just put your feet up and say, well, whatever she does or doesn't do is fine with me. This is truly about examining our core beliefs. It is our core beliefs that drive our words and actions. When we get clear on what our beliefs are in regard to raising teens, then we are more able to see why we are actually struggling over this circumstance. For example, if we believe it is our job to ensure they take the right courses, pursue the right career for them, then that puts a lot of stress on ourselves. If we see ourselves as someone whose job is to listen, offer feedback when asked, and calm reassurance, then that will result in very different actions and words on our part in a situation such as this. If we as parents are demonstrating a calm state of surrender and trust, then this gives our children permission to do the same. For example, my 16-year-old daughter has no idea what she wants to do career-wise. Every time someone asks her what she thinks she will do for her career, she chuckles and says, I have no idea. In a few weeks, she will have to pick her courses for grade 12. How does she know what to pick if she doesn't even know what post-secondary program she's going to apply to? How do I respond to her and support her through this challenge? Well, first of all, I say very little. When Olivia says something like, Mom, I still don't know what I want to do with my life. I still don't know what program I want to take or what school I want to go to. With that desperate, urgent voice, what do I do? Well, I start by listening. I wait and listen for words like, what do you think I should do? If I don't hear those words, then I continue to listen. I do everything I can to not offer unsolicited advice. And as you can well imagine, that is not easy. It takes a lot of deep breaths to stay present and not let my mind race off into creating some mental movie that will result in me panicking and then starting into some sort of gotta rescue my kid lecture. Sometimes I just say something to let her know I heard her. Like, it sounds like not knowing your career plans is really bothering you. Olivia will often respond with her stress chuckle. That chuckle which means, I don't know what to do. I don't want this to be a big deal, but it feels like this is a really big deal and I need to figure this out or else. I do my best to offer an empathetic smile and then some words of assurance that she will figure it out and it will all work out. Will it all work out the way I hope it will for her? In other words, with few challenges and bumps or U-turns? Perhaps not. But here's the thing. I believe all the bumps or U-turns she may or may not end up taking are ones that she will need to experience in order to get where she wants to go in life. The best thing I can do is listen. 
selectively offer her my thoughts and remain in a calm state of positive assurance. Remember, since the time our children are little, they look to us to determine what is right or wrong, good or bad, true or false. They are constantly looking to us to determine what they should be thinking or feeling. So our number one job, especially during times of significant decision-making, is to stay calm and confident about the situation that is troubling them. I can recall a time when Olivia was about eight. It was very stormy outside and she kept looking out the window and then looking at me, looking out the window and then back at me. She asked me if I thought there was going to be a tornado. I said, no, I don't. She looked out the window again anxiously and then asked, are you worried about the weather? I said, no, I'm good. She then said something like, okay, well, if you aren't worried, then I guess I won't be worried. But if you start to worry, then let me know so I'll know if I have to worry. Then she went back downstairs to play with her sister. Inside, I, I chuckled, thinking, isn't that the truth? Our children are so quick to make decisions about their own circumstances based on what their parents are deciding and feeling about the situation. As a teacher, I see this all the time. The degree to which a child is bothered by something is often the same degree in which the parent is. I often hear children come to school and share a statement about the weather, a recent political uproar, or a celebrity scandal in the same language that an adult would say it. Yes, I cannot assume it's always a parent they are parroting, but it still goes to show how much children see the world and make decisions about the world through the eyes of the significant adults in their lives. Back to my tornado example, what if the weather was really bad and I thought there was a chance of a tornado? Would I have answered her honestly? Absolutely. However, I would have done my best to be honest and calm at the same time. Again, the best thing I can do is stay calm, not only for my children's mental state, but when we are in a calm state of mind during stressful times, we tend to make decisions and take actions that keep us safe. Fear tends to result in poor decisions for ourselves or ones we may regret. In fact, fear tends to paralyze us. Our goal is to not allow fear to take over our minds. We need to teach our children to do the same no matter what challenges they face. Speaking of fear, I want to share that I'm listening to a pretty good audiobook right now by Mel Robbins called Take Control of Your Life. The book is all about managing and understanding fear. So if any of the parents listening right now are struggling with fear, or you believe your child is struggling with managing fear, you may want to look into reading or listening to this book. So let's recap here. So far my tips for Tara have been talk less and listen more, surrender that you need to know the answers for your daughter's challenges in pursuing a career, and demonstrate calm, positive reassurance that your daughter will make the best choices for herself. Now, let's dig further into Tara's sharing. Tara also shared that she wonders how her daughter will know what courses to pick when, quote, she doesn't know what she wants to do, doesn't know what is a good fit for her, and wants to make sure she picks something that will provide a lucrative career with good job prospects. I think we would all agree that establishing a lucrative career is an ideal goal. 
I'm not clear in this question if it is Tara who is concerned about a lucrative career or her daughter or both. Either way, it is understandable that a mother would wish her daughter a career that would allow her to support herself and live comfortably no matter what lies ahead in her future. We have all seen or heard about women who become trapped in a situation because they did not have the education or training to support themselves. I don't want to in any way undermine this intent. However, I have heard many parents steer their children into deciding a career based on how much money they will make. I'm not saying this is the case in Tara's situation. However, I am asking the listeners if they believe that this should be the driving force in taking the steps forward to finding your career path. Some financial advisors would say yes, it's all about seeking the career that makes the most money. Is this a good idea? Is focusing on how much money one could make in a career helpful? Possibly. My concern with this way of thinking is how could we ever know all the endless possibilities that could arise from whatever post-secondary education our children choose to take? For example, I have heard adults share that they had a passion for music, but were told since it is so difficult to have a lucrative career in the music industry, they were discouraged from pursuing it. They were directed to take something more certain like business or medicine. Yet some of our wealthiest people on the planet are in the music industry. So I suppose for some, it was possible for them to pursue their dreams and have a lucrative income. I remember a friend sharing that she wanted to have a career in writing, but was told by a parent that the only way she could make money as a writer is if Oprah picked her book for her monthly book club. So she became a teacher instead. Another friend wanted a career in theater, but was told by her parents she could never support herself in the performing arts, so she became a teacher. As a teacher myself, I must admit I have often wondered how many teachers are teachers because they couldn't find a way or didn't have the belief that they could live their passion and be paid for it, so they became a teacher. I can't help but wonder if the teachers I see struggling to enjoy their jobs might be one of those people who were discouraged from pursuing their passion. Now, I'm not saying that this is the case for Tara. I'm not suggesting that she is using money as the guiding light in helping her daughter pick her courses and find her career. And even if she was, that would not be wrong. Because as a parenting consultant, my job is not to tell parents what is the right or wrong thing to do. My goal is to help them make a connection between how their beliefs are driving their decisions, words, and actions involving their children. In other words, we are all living the consequences of our beliefs. So if we are experiencing pain in our lives around an issue like supporting our teen on her career path, then my invitation is to notice what your beliefs are about this topic, and then you may want to do some belief inventory. What beliefs are helping you and your daughter and what beliefs are stressing you out? Listen, there could be lots going on here that I couldn't possibly know from Tara's question, so I can't make assumptions here. What I am wondering is what would happen if we helped our children figure out what they love to do and then cheer them on to find ways to get paid for it. I remember when I was a teenager, one time a dad that I babysat for said to me, that an adult said to him when he was a teenager, get a job doing what you love 
and you'll never work a day in your life. I must admit, I did just that. I love teaching, and I'm so grateful that I get paid to do what I love doing. When I'm at school teaching young children music and drama, most days, I forget I'm working. Now, let's continue with Tara's question. In her question, she also shared, how do I help my teen navigate through a two-tier education system that separates rural kids with unreliable internet from city kids with consistent internet? Rural kids do not have all the tools available to them to be successful. It is causing frustration and anxiety, especially in key years like grade 11. When we see inequality, yes, no doubt, that is frustrating. And here's the thing. If inequality is what we focus on, then that is what we will experience. Back to the book I'm listening to by Mel Robbins, Take Control of Your Life. She points out that we can either focus on the obstacles in life or we can find new opportunities in the obstacles that arise. During COVID, we are all living this. We have a choice to focus on all the obstacles that have come up since the coronavirus arrived, or we can focus on the opportunities. Over the past 10 months, I have witnessed people struggle with obstacles, inequality, believing the government should or shouldn't be doing this or that, blaming people or circumstances outside of themselves for their misery. I have also seen people constantly finding gratitude in how the virus has changed their lives for the better, the good that has come from it, and the opportunities that they have discovered from thinking outside the box. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. I know someone whose business is making large fish tanks. Most of his clients are doctor's offices, dental offices, and restaurants. When the pandemic hit, suddenly, no one was wanting to order a fish tank for their office or place of business. So he could have said, I can't believe this. I'm going to lose my business. It's over. It's so unfair. But instead, he looked for the opportunity in the situation. What answer did he discover while in a calm place of assurance that everything was going to be okay, that there would be an opportunity in this obstacle? He discovered he would use his skills and materials to create transparent barriers for the endless businesses that wanted clear barricades installed to protect their employees and their customers from the virus spreading. Bingo. Needless to say, he's been very busy. Now, that is what happens when we train our minds to stay in a calm place of certainty and think outside the box. This is an example of what happens when we seek opportunities from obstacles. What is the difference between those who are thriving and those who are barely surviving over limited internet service? The number one thing I would suggest is their mindset. Mel Robbins would say it is the difference between growth mindset and fixed mindset. A fixed mind might say there are unfair circumstances that are limiting their success or their child's success beyond their control, like poor internet. Growth mindset would be open to new possibilities that could come from this obstacle of poor internet service. What could that be? I cannot say for Tara or her daughter, but what I can say is that when we get calm, when we stop and take deep breaths, when we put ourselves into a state of mind that focuses on the belief that it will all work out and a solution or path will be shown, then that is exactly what happens. 
answers and opportunities show themselves that we could never have imagined during a state of worry, fear, or focusing our minds on perceived states of inequality. If we can role model a growth mindset, if we can have faith that creative solutions will arrive, and when we are in a state of calm confidence, what a gift we role model to our children. We also demonstrate resilience to our children, encouraging them that they will still be able to keep moving forward and be successful even when things get tough or obstacles arise. And finally, just as I have suggested in several of my parenting podcasts, pain is not a bad thing. If our child is upset about something, it is not our job to take the pain away. It is our job to help them find ways to listen to their pain. What is this saying to them? What changes might they need to make? Or what can they do to avoid this the next time they're in a similar situation? When we try to solve their problems or take away their discomfort, we rob them of their learning. We all learn the most in challenging times. There's very little learning when things are going smoothly in our lives. That is not to suggest we want them to suffer. I know myself, this is a huge pain point for me. When I see my kids upset about something, my mind wants to get straight to work to come up with the solution to solve this for them. For example, who do I need to call? What am I going to do to fix this? I have to work very hard to say something to myself like, stop. My job is not to fix this or come up with answers for my kids. My job is to help them find their own answers to their challenges. My job is to help them connect to their own inner wisdom. So, in a nutshell, what is my answer to Tara? No matter what your children or teens are struggling with, I would offer these key points. 1. Listen more and talk less. 2. Role model calm, assured confidence that they will find the answers they need, no matter what the challenge like selecting high school courses, picking a post-secondary institution, or choosing a career. Three, take inventory of how your own beliefs might be creating suffering for you far more than the situation at hand. My experience is that it is not the situation that is creating my stress. It is my thinking that is creating my stress. Four, role model growth mindset. Demonstrate how you use your mindset to find opportunities out of obstacles. And five, do your best to become more comfortable with seeing your child in painful emotions like frustration, anger, or uncertainty. By holding space for your daughter and allowing her to feel whatever she's feeling, this will help her work through this. She will come up with answers, that I promise. Your daughter might not work it out the way you would like, but she will figure this out. I think as parents, we all have dreams for our children, which is normal. However, the more we can let go of the ideas and dreams we have for them, and the more we trust that they will find their path and dreams, the more we create peace for ourselves and for our children. the time to share her question. I greatly appreciate parents like Tara who are willing to reach out for ideas 
on how they can be the best parent they can be. My hope is that this podcast will offer her things to consider as well as some peace of mind. Remember, we're all doing the best we can. For parents listening who are struggling with an issue your child is presently facing, I hope these tips offer you the support you need right now. In the meantime, keep those questions coming in. If you have a parenting question, please share your question with me through my website at jillmcpherson.com or email me at jillmcphersonyes at gmail.com. Also, be sure to check out my website for my online parenting workshops. I offer a four-week workshop for parents of preschoolers to young school-aged children and another one for parents of children who are middle school-aged to teens. After parents have taken the four-week workshop and have learned great skills and tools to effective parenting, they can sign up for my Peaceful Parenting Program, which offers ongoing support in implementing the skills and tools within their everyday challenges. We all know that learning about skills is one thing, but actually implementing them is a whole nother thing. Effective parenting requires ongoing support and mentorship in order to create healthy habits, implement new strategies, and build a more peaceful relationship with your children. Contact me if you're wanting this kind of support. Until then, I'm Jill McPherson, parenting consultant, teacher, and mother of four, thanking you for listening in on another episode of Awakened Parenting, where I invite you to awaken to peaceful parenting.